And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The ability of CO2 to do the heavy work of creating a climate catastrophe is almost nil at this point. The price of oil has been artificially elevated to the point of insanity. That's not how you power a modern industrial system. The ultimate goal of this renewable energy you know, plan is to reach the exact same point that we're at now. You know who's tried that? Germany. Seven straight days of no wind for Germany. Uh, their factories are shutting down. They really do act like weather didn't happen prior to like 1910. Today is Friday. Today is Friday. Hello and welcome yes, to is, you little twit. I know. I, I like that you kind of throw that in every single week, Anthony. I'm, I'm totally a fan of that and continue to do so. <laughs> Uh, you know, just with that, here's Anthony Watts throwing in his that little twit comment of the week. How are you, Anthony? Yeah, well, you know, every time I see that video clip of Greta, actually, anytime I see any video clip of Greta, it just raises my ackles. It sounds you like know? you're kind of like mixing the words great and Greta. It's like she, she's that great of a person, Greta. I just, I don't know, that thought amused me. I know that it's not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> one person here says, one thing she gets right, it is Friday. Yes, that is the one thing she does get right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? At least she can do that. <laughs> and Linnea Lucan. Linnea, uh, you're pixelated this week, so we can't tell that your background is that much better than mine. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that as a win. How you doing? Oh, you froze. I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> don't know. Don't know what I can say about the uh, bandwidth issues I'm having today. Yeah. haven't noticed any lagging on my end at all, but... You know, um, just blame climate change. Everybody will take that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> good internet climate change, bad internet That's climate fair. change. <laughs> that's that's very fair. It's climate change. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if we did a search on on Google right now for a story that climate change will affect internet bandwidth, and I mean, we'll find something. I mean, you don't blame anything on climate change. I'm 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 gonna be honest. I'm very intrigued if that. If Why not? I mean, if you if you can think up the most absurd thing to blame on climate change, <laughs> <laughs> is the internet. A can climate change kill the internet? I don't know. Can Does Al Gore say so? There's oh, some Al goodness. Gore joke to make there that I, I haven't figured it out yet, but there's something there. Um, wow, yeah. All right, touche. You are right on that one. Um, <laughs> is video streaming pushing up harmful emissions? Probably. Well, harmful. Well, emissions. yeah, you know, all those data centers that they're out there to support this. Yeah, the cloud. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one, my favorite data center in the whole wide world is the one run... Um, by um, the University of Colorado, and they have uh, NCAR, uh, National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder. And they built a new data center with supercomputers. You know, I mean, the thing is massive. It's like an acre in size. But where did they build it? Wyoming. Why? <laughs> because Wyoming has cheap coal to power the data center. They don't have to pay for the extra money for the green electricity out of uh, Colorado. I mean, yeah. What companies do and you know, what they say for virtue signaling points are often vastly different. Yeah. Uh, we have none of this so far has been planned. It's actually been pretty entertaining. Now I kind of want to go into a whole rant about why companies love virtue signaling. It has nothing to do with climate change, though, so I'm going to have to resist. I feel like this whole episode is going to be a collection of me trying to resist going into rants about topics I really want to go into. Because we're going to talk about a list that came out from Politico that ranked Vladimir Putin as uh, the number one 
it was between influencers and actually let me pull up the methodology that they have yeah, here. Not but, the number one, but one of 28. Uh, oh, is it two? I may have gotten that wrong. Um, but either way. So, yeah, they, they ranked Vladimir Putin. Actually, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me introduce this. Apologies. So here we have Politico's, uh, they call it the Green 28 list, where it's essentially they looked at the people in the European Union that have the biggest amount of influence or effect or just power over uh, future climate policy. And <laughs> the comments coming in, I just saw and it made me laugh. Uh, so if I just kind of go down a bit here, they get into just what this list is and why they did it. So welcome to the Green Revolution, voiced by Amazon Polly. I'm not going to click on her voice. I don't want to hear it. So Politico says, this is the first time that Politico is ranking the 28 people with the most influence on the EU's sustainability, environmental, mobility, climate, and energy policies. When I was reading this earlier, that just doesn't seem like a well-written sentence, but moving on. All areas that are being rapidly transformed by the bloc's push to decarbonize in response to growing alarm over climate change and biodiversity decline. So, I mean, just kind of going off this first paragraph here, you can kind of see the point of view that Politico is going to be coming at this from, which is, uh, and correct me if, if you think I'm interpreting this wrong, but that we're in the middle of a crisis and that uh, we need people that are like looking to vastly change our society. Uh, Linnea, did I get that wrong or does that kind of seem where Politico is coming at this from off the get go? No, that seems about right. Cool. Um, again, the the decarbonize wording is as insidious as always um, yeah. on a planet of carbon-based life forms. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah, it's you know, that they're they're not exactly. They never are interested in people who can make an impact in any kind of a positive way or any kind of people who are interested in real conservation. Uh, it's mostly going to be about virtue signaling. Oh, yeah. Mind blowing interpretations of global events. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I'll move forward a bit here. Uh, while climate change has been steadily moving up the policy agenda for years, false. Uh, I don't know if we've touched on it much, but we I mean, if you look at polls, climate change is just sharply declining in terms of how much the public ranks it in terms of uh, importance, which is interesting because right now they kind of want it to be their next COVID. But that is just a, a blatantly false statement. Uh, moving on, shifting from a fringe concern to the core of the current European Commission's program. Okay, if it's the core of their program, that doesn't mean it's the people's primary concern. Exemplified by its Green, de uh, green Deal push to make the bloc climate neutral by 2050. This year, that effort is overshadowed by war. Russian President Vladimir Putin's bloody and unprovoked invasion, uh, debatable statement, not bloody, unprovoked, of Ukraine touches on almost every aspect of EU policymaking, from the rapid effort to wean the continent off its reliance on Russian energy to the environmental impact of what Russian troops are doing in Ukraine. So, okay, that's just a little background information here. Um, uh, but essentially, it does reveal that uh, Vladimir Putin is going to be on the EU's or on the Politico list. And for those of you that don't know much about Politico, uh, Politico is the organization that they use to fact check our organization uh, on Facebook and make sure that our posts uh, don't show up. I've, we've posted numerous things uh, where you'll get this little fact check warning and um, I hit the table, apologies if that made a sound. And uh, Politico will essentially put out an article that says like, what you said here is false. And then Facebook will say like, oh, well, whatever you must have said is objective, objectively false and you're you're not allowed to post that content or we're not going to spread that content to other people. So, I mean, this is this is literally gets to determine the arbiter of truth. Um, 
uh, Anthony, I see the link you just sent me. But uh, so, yeah, they got uh, Vladimir Putin and they put him. I thought they put him as number one on the list. I Overall, I number wrong. one. Yeah. Oh, overall, yeah. number one. Who yeah. would have thought? I know, right? Yes. Let's, so that, let's, let's let's elect a dictator who kills people and 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 ravages as uh, the green leader. That just yeah. gives you kind of an idea into the mindset these fe- these people have. Oh, seriously. And what's interesting also is we all read this, and I think like some of us kind of had different takes on on what to pull out from this article. And I'd I'd like to kind of hear each of our our like what what you read and like what you drew from this. But uh, it's just the first sentence. It it took a war criminal to speed up Europe's green revolution. And it, it, to me, that just reads like, yeah, this is obviously the war is bad. Like, it's not like a like, go war thing, but it's also just like, but at least, you know, we had this positive outcome from it. And um, there are certain sections in this uh, this this article. Who does, does he even say who the author is? Um, no, it doesn't matter that I just thought personally were uh, what are the words I used to use earlier? I liked them. I, I just thought they were uh, uh, this isn't the best word ever, but I thought they were insane. What? Yeah, well, one of the things that really strikes me is the biggest lie in this whole article yeah. is renewables give us the freedom to choose an energy source yeah. that is cheap, reliable, and ours. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's right. forced on you. It's not It's not yours. It's being forced on you. And it's not cheap and reliable. It's unreliable. And costs have accelerated ever since the green revolution has kicked in in Europe. I yeah. mean, people can't pay their energy bills. They, they have to choose between eating and staying warm this winter. What the hell? That's yeah. I mean, it, it. It's there's a mental illness behind this kind of thought process, as far as I'm concerned. I can kind of agree. I mean, Linnea, people are just when when no, obviously no. when gas prices go up. Oh, jump in, yeah. Oh no, oh. I'm sorry. I'm so behind because of my internet issues oh, right now. I so was, you okay. introduce what you're going to ask and I'll respond. Sorry, sorry. I was wondering because there was like a long pause every time I asked you. So I was wondering what was going on. That uh, that explains that. I was just going to say like, so uh, they can't get, they get into the article about how energy prices are rising in Europe and it's leading towards people, you know, seeking out cheap, abundant renewables. And so, I mean, obviously we must be seeing just an overabundance of solar panels being <laughs> applied to your regular working man's uh, roof. Uh, that that that's what's going on across Europe as as prices rise across the board, right? Right. Well, all sorts of solar just in time for the winter here. Um, that's going to be just yeah. good for them and good for everyone. Uh, but no, the reality is uh, they've been powering up. Coal- which is actually a pretty good idea uh, just in general, but they're definitely not leaning on wind and solar to get them out of this. That is straight up false. And Politico makes no references whatsoever in this piece. They do not link to any data at all. The only references they pull from are uh, quotes from individuals who are personally involved with the yeah. green uh, transition, so they call it. Yeah, if you have any that you thought were uh, illuminating, I can quickly pull them up on screen. So feel free to just re- you know go for whatever. But uh, I, yeah, you're right, and and that's kind of why I wanted to. And I, this is, wasn't even my thought. You mentioned this to me earlier, and, and it, I, it was a good point to bring up that Politico is the organization that is used for social media fact checking. And then this is the kind of stuff that they'll write that that is then used as the basis for uh, saying stuff is factually incorrect. And for those of you that, that don't know how this process works, uh, I, I work in it, so I do. Let's say we put up an article that says uh, uh, 
renewables are not cheaper or more expensive than fossil fuels. They'll, they can link to this article and then five others by similar organizations. And what basically, if we want our content to be seen on social media, what we have to do is we actually have to go to Politico and go to, I don't know, whatever other organizations do this. And we have to get them to admit that they were wrong and then go to Facebook and say, hey, Facebook, we were wrong on this. The heart, like, climate realism, Heartland, like they were right. And every single person that said that like had an issue that that fact checked us, every one of them has to change their position on their end for Facebook to, you know, pull their strike or something like that. So I, I think it is important what Linnea just said to point out that like they don't actually reference anything. They just have quotes from people that are directly involved in this. And then it's written as um, factual. Uh, I'm going to if do yeah, you guys they, have anything they, to add they use yeah. the perception of of um, competence and um you know, what do you call it, um, you know, a learned background or whatever. They use that perception to put a stamp of approval on certain things and deny others. And it's totally bogus because it's nothing more than opinion. Even Facebook admitted that their fact checkers are doing nothing but putting out opinion. Yeah, and they did. It is. It is. You know, um, it's just crazy how the, the left and the green movement have turned into such authoritarians when, you know, 50 years ago during, you know, the 60s and 70s, it was distrust, you know, yeah. anyone in the establishment. And now yeah. they have become the establishment and now distrust anyone who says anything different than us. That's the whole viewpoint of the left and the green movement these days. Yeah, it, it's it's I've I've had this opinion for, I don't know, maybe a couple of years now that like the United States right now could use a solid like hippie left-wing movement just like you know anti i'm not saying i want like a bunch of people wearing tie-dye and like playing guitars and in their drum circles i'm just saying like a, an anti-establishment you know don't trust like the powers from above and don't take their word as gospel because i feel like that to a degree uh even even if it wasn't the most like noble people or whatever like it's i i can respect that position uh the current position i have very little respect for uh, just yeah. that that like we're going to kind of fall in line and and take this as all as right. fact. Um, the other thing that's happened since the 60s, you know, it used to be all about, you know, they were against the war and, and they were trying to, yeah. uh, you know, save the planet and all that sort of thing. And they're still into this save the planet mode, but they're in this like hyperdrive now. But the mm -hmm. crazy thing about it is, is that they're more interested in the in the planet than they are the people. Back yeah. in the 60s, it was power to the people. Now it's power to the planet. I mean, and, and the kind of mindset that they have uh, is just totally flip-flopped. And it's it's anti-human. It's totally anti-human. There was an article in The Guardian yeah, uh, pull it up. That, that basically says, you know, um, it's kind of like what they're put, doing with Putin. Putin, they're giving him the green credentials. You know, he's helping the planet. Well, they did the same thing with Genghis Khan. <laughs> It's it's just, just absolutely bonkers. Yeah, Why? So Khan was good for the planet. Seriously, what kind of mindset thinks about this? Oh, never mind the rape, the pillaging, the destruction, the deaths. He helped get carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. What a hero! Yeah, <laughs> are, are these folks mentally ill? I think they are. I I I, I would ag agree with that. So honestly, I haven't read this article yet. Uh, I know you sent it around just just briefly or moments ago, but um. I do think it, it represents a similar mindset. And uh, I want to go back to the the uh, Putin article and actually kind of go through some of the quotes from it in a bit. But just just the the kind of they'll admit like, oh, yeah, Genghis Khan or Putin, like they'll they'll 
it's not like they're saying what he's doing isn't bad. Uh, but but they they are also just eager to jump on the environmental benefits of 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 these uh, actions. Also, I just like struggle to mentally reason through. Maybe I'm just I, I'm not as good at gymnastics as other people are mental gymnastics that is but uh i'm struggling to reason through like how how uh just shooting at people and like launching you know missiles and the threat of nuclear war is environmentally beneficial um i that just doesn't compute um especially the whole nuclear war thing but um i don't know politico put them as as the overall well, number one most influential. you'll understand andy <laughs> what do you what do you mean you'll understand andy Andy, if you read this line, uh, you got um, this line from this article that you have up here. Okay. Oh, yeah. May have scrubbed 700 million tons of carbon from the atmosphere, roughly the quantity of carbon dioxide generated in a year through global petrol consumption <laughs> by allowing previously populated and cultivated land to return to carbon absorbing forest. <laughs> so he raised civilizations, and yeah. that is what they're. <laughs> yeah, it's depopulation. That that is what their position is, is that that is positive. I, these people are deranged. That, seriously. I, and I have n absolutely no problem saying that. When you take that position, then you're genocidal and that's just it. Yeah, I'm getting excited, I feel like, because like these are just very... I feel like these are not just hard things to say and they're very strong uh, statements, but they're kind of hard to refute when you're you're like reading these kinds of things so it's just like I, I just keep wanting to jump in and agree with you uh anthony you just sent me something that i'm almost afraid to put on the screen based yeah on... i was thinking the same thing too that youtube I, would just shut it off uh, i mean I, I just did it um no i'm not doing your cookies uh yeah, so what is how this? green were the nazis <laughs> oh man nature environment and the nation in the third reich i wonder how this person's career went as an author uh yeah i am not gonna make the joke i was about to make um yeah, no. Uh, man, how, like how? Okay, so they, they're doing but, uh, Putin right they... Yeah, go, go. Uh, sorry, these are, the, these are the same people who said that a minor nuclear exchange would actually be good for the climate because it would uh, reduce the temperature by putting a bunch of um, material into the atmosphere. What? Wow. You really? lunatics. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? That's yeah, I, I forget where it was. It might have been. It was probably either The Guardian or Politico, but it was one of those. They are oh, out man. of their minds. Um, I'm sorry, by the way, viewers, if I'm not getting all your comments on screen. Uh, obviously, there's just three of us this week. Sterling's out doing a speaking engagement that I don't exactly remember where or what. But uh, it's quicker moving, so it's harder for me to monitor it all. But keep them coming and throw any questions in there that you got, and we'll do our absolute best to get to them. Um, yeah, I, I, at some point, I got to read this thing about the Nazis and environmentalism, but <laughs> that's just insane. So back to the uh, uh, Anthony, did you want to add something? No, not at all. Go right ahead. Yeah. So let's go back to the Putin article for a bit and just uh, go through a couple sections of it that I thought were particularly illuminating. And if you all see anything that you want to uh, stop and, and touch on, totally just let me know. But so basically looking at this, I guess, third paragraph here, um, or it's, it's talking about like right after the invasion happens. Within weeks of the February 24th invasion, a plan was sketched out aimed at unhooking the continent's energy ties from net Moscow. And that's true. Much of Europe uh, is reliant on Russia for energy. They don't really say why, which we can get into. It leaned on three pillars, cutting oil, gas, and coal supplies from Russia, getting gas and other fossil fuels from elsewhere, 
and massively speeding up the rollout of renewable power and energy saving measures. And here's an interesting one. Renewables give us the freedom to choose an energy source that is clean, cheap, reliable, and ours. EU Green Deal Chief Franz Timmermans said less than two weeks after Putin's tanks rolled in. By the way, Franz uh, uh, Timmermans was also on this uh, Green 28 list. Do either of you just want to take that that quote and and give your thoughts on it? Uh, Linnea, Anthony? Um, you take sure. it, Linnea. I need to go throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's just get this straight. It's pretty clear that the part that they're leaning into the most in reality over there is the energy saving measures. Considering the bills that they are having over in the United Kingdom right now and Germany's um, measures on preventing people from using their own, you know, heated pools and stuff and other um, electricity rationing measures that have yeah. been taking uh, place over there, that's... That's what they're leaning into. They are not massively speeding up the rollout of renewable power. And you have to ask them what they mean by that, too. Yeah. Because a lot of the times what they mean is that they'll contract out for a big offshore wind um, contract that they already had scheduled. And now they're just skipping a few steps um, to get it built. But they're not, you know, it's still going to be as the left always claims about issues with the Keystone pipeline and such, it's going to take a little bit before it's finished. So <laughs> they don't get to claim that early, but what they can do quickly is start up their coal power plants, which is what they have been doing. Yeah. You know, it's the next paragraph is uh, actually really highlights what you said earlier about the lack of references or actual data behind this. Cause it's a pretty strong claim and i feel like it's something that should at least you know yeah. hyperlink to something seven months on a politico survey on, of data on clean energy energy savings and policies show that the first signs of that green surge are appearing analysts are in little doubt that the change is structural permanent and historic what analysts and what data if you, if you don't provide either of those that that's, that an just, a, that's some that's the writer's opinion clearly. exactly yeah like, I, I don't yeah. even know what more there is to say on well, that. Well, Politico did a survey. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> when, right. We, when we do uh, post on climaterealism.com, for example, we have to back up everything we say. The same thing for climate at a glance. When we write an article for either of those two entries, we're, we reference everything that we say, either by a link or by a citation number. And yet these folks just get away with just blatantly throwing out opinion without referencing where's the data and who's the analyst. Eh, people yeah. say is all it boils down to. They say. That's their opinion. And they they quantify Experts that into say. this writing. It's it just, it's incompetence in journalism. Yeah. And, and you know, I, we're, we're not even, even discussing the, the fact anymore that like, which we can get back to, but like, this is all a, a, a it, you know, Putin's invasion bad, but great for the environment article that just has all these very poorly done assertions uh, put within it. But all right, so let's keep going here. Um, which, uh, one sec, sorry, I lost my section on it. Okay, here we go, got it. Um, so then uh, this next one, I also thought was interesting. We will look back at the situation in 10 years time and see, okay, that was the moment where we really got serious about the green transition and we really had the big green acceleration, said Simone Taglia Pietra. Yeah, Taglia Pietra. Okay, that was better than I expected that to go. A research fellow at the Brussels-based think tank, Bruegel. Um, 
So I, I think we should just give a big of background information here um, on why that this moment should be a turning point uh, and why Europe is so reliant on uh, Russia and Putin for energy in the first place. And uh, it's because they've been pushing these green energy policies, which um, they say on paper are effective and cheaper. And, and you know, they say that, like, uh, people can install solar panels, but you can on, on your roof and you're going to save money in the long term. Well, the long term is 20 years if everything goes right. And not everyone has the money to make a 20 year investment that you know, might break even if nothing goes wrong. But in reality, this isn't happening. So they're actually just having to import energy from the largest distributor in the region, which is Russia. They're, they're, they, they hamstrung. I mean, if you've heard what's going on in Germany at all, and I think we maybe last week even played the Trump video uh, of him uh, just kind of like warning Germany that if they follow the policies they were following. I'll never forget that. They're, the people yeah. from the German delegation are sitting there laughing at Trump. Yeah. They're not laughing now. No, 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 no. They're in trouble. And I, is, is it Germany that's uh, unretiring their nuclear plants right now? I believe it is. Um, sorry, I was silencing my phone. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's there's a reason they're in the situation. Yeah, jump in, Anthony. Yeah, you know, the Germany was went through a huge industrial revolution after World War II. After they got everything back together, the United States and other countries helped rebuild Germany, and Germany turned into an industrial powerhouse. They had, you know, factories. They had. Uh, power plants, manufacturing, the whole deal. Everything was going great until the whole green agenda got involved. And now they are struggling, just trying to keep the lights on, much like California. California, you know, under certain situations, struggles to keep the lights on. And they tell you, you have to cut back because, you know, their green energy just isn't reliable enough. They can't produce enough. They can't distribute it well. All of these problems. The biggest problem that we have is with politicians who think they are engineers. They go out and say, oh, well, we're going to change it and mandate this. We're going to, to you know, make wind energy the sole source of power for the country. These folks don't do the math because math is hard and politicians don't do hard things. They do what benefit them and what their, their you know, helpers and their handlers say. And that's what's happened here with Germany. They have thrown away a productive or a productive economy and a productive country for the sake of green energy. And now they are in a tizzy over it and they don't know what to do. And it's because they never planned or thought it through. It's just about saving the planet bullshit. Yeah. Oh, no, your camera's still like, it's clear. Yes, finally I said on, bullshit right. yeah. on the air. <laughs> yeah, I know. Honest. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. I've, I've been like thinking if I want to say something uh, on this broadcast in response to a lot of the comments here and, and screw it, let's do it. So a lot of you are writing about how, uh, Putin should get a, a Nobel Peace Prize. For you know, John does says Peace Nobel Prize for Putin. It's possible. <laughs> I mean, remember when they gave Obama the, the That's Peace okay. Prize? So well, that he was in president for three weeks or something like Let's, that. He was a career politician that was then a president for like three weeks. If, if we're going to be honest, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. For there you go. Black. That that's the entire reason. And and I, I won't be socially or censored enough to say it. Uh, but um, yeah, no, it's insane. And and Al Gore got it for lying to a generation of kids, essentially. I'm going to stop before I, I get us pulled off. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, while I don't think they're going to give him the Peace Prize, maybe like the a prize in science or one of the, the subsidiary prizes is, is on the table. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the 10 years time, obviously. So Europe is in this situation because they push these virtue-based policies that are in reality ineffective and uh, not feasible. So they're reliant on Russia for energy. We enter into this current situation, which is... Um, the uh, 
titled by them, uh, Unprovoked War. I would argue there's other reasons, but it's not the point of this conversation. The point of it is to essentially say, first, Politico will do everything they can to just act like this situation exists in a vacuum. Like it's always been Europe entirely reliant on Russia for energy instead of Europe put themselves in this situation. And when I say Europe, I mean countries within Europe uh, and are now paying the price of it. And um, then it, it, again, like it's it's that line that that says we will look back at the situation in 10 years time and see like, OK, that was the moment where we really got serious about the green transition. That reads to me is like a reflective statement in an extremely positive way. And I as in like, yeah, like that was a good moment. And I just, I, I really, I'm a very anti-war person. So I'm probably, I mean, I am coming at this with a huge bias to be clear. I might as well just throw it out there. Um, but I, I just, I dislike when, when articles put something that I consider to be just like such a, a human, I don't know, tragedy maybe is the right word and uh, write about it in like what, and this is where I say I have a bias reads to me almost in a quasi glowing tone. Um, would you both, do you both agree with that at all? Or am I kind of off base here? I'm, I'm honestly asking if you disagree with me, totally fine. I didn't read any kind of glowing tone yeah. to this. Um, I read a totally dispassionate, <laughs> um, fixated, obsessed with the climate issue. Yeah. Um, sort of lean. They're not they're not even considering any other part of the damages of war. Yeah. The issue that they're worried about right now is the climate impact. Yeah. Running around talking about how upset he was. Yeah, we're losing. Yeah, Linnea we're, we're losing the you. mobilization uh, of troops. Sorry, we're losing you, Linnea. We're, we're oh. only getting every couple of words right, right now. Um uh, I I, I want to hear the rest of your point though, because uh, honestly, I, I very much agree with it. That with what what you were saying kind of brought to mind for me, like they're they're very worried about the client impacts to the point where they're completely disregarding the environmental impacts when, or the human impact. Yeah, they're using yeah. they're using Europe as human guinea pigs to to push the green agenda and see how well yeah. it works. They don't care that people are gonna be starving or freezing in the winter. No, no. Saving the planet, you know, is much more important. We need to get through this. And yes, some people will die and some people won't be able to, uh, you know, keep the lights on and whatever. That's not important to them. The agenda is more important. And that's the problem with this whole green movement. It's anti-human. That's yeah. totally what it's about. And, you know, some people uh, further up in, in the discussion, we talked about the Nobel Prize. You know, Putin could get the Nobel Prize and Gore got the Nobel Prize and Obama got the Nobel Prize. Well, you know what? I think we should award the Nobel Prize to carbon dioxide. And here's why. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here's why. You know, carbon dioxide has done more for the planet than any of these lamers out there. Now, I have this article here back in 2016. It talks about NASA uh, and their satellite looking at this, the greening of the planet. They're measuring how much extra chlorophyll are we seeing in the spectral response to light in the planet. And so they find that carbon dioxide has greened the earth to the point of, you know, uh, creating an area about the size of the United States around the globe of extra green. Carbon dioxide has fueled plant growth. It's greened the planet. You know, that's the real green movement there. The 
carbon dioxide has done more for greening the planet than any of these people ever have or any of these policies ever have. So let's award the Nobel Prize to carbon dioxide, or maybe let's take it up a notch and award it to fossil fuels. I mean, <laughs> right. it's just, it's done more for the planet than any of these people's or ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Lene, I, ho I hope you're... Uh... Your connection's working. I, you were you were mentioning like the mobilization of troops and like the impact that all of those are uh, that the actual like war is having on maybe the environment and, and people versus the climate impacts that Putin no, is yeah, having. No, I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the environmental. Uh, I miss, we didn't hear a lot of your words, so I wasn't uh, sure. That's why I didn't want to get your point. Yeah. Has, I'm talking. Okay, I was saying I was saying that it's funny that they're saying this now. Because early on, when the invasion first happened, John Kerry was running around. Mr. Climate Czar was doing his rounds talking about how uh, this was going to be bad for the climate because the mobilization of troops will create a lot of carbon dioxide. And also because it was taking people's focus huh. off the all-important climate issue. So they're just trying to spin it to keep talking about climate change. They will do what they can um, yeah. to do that. So. They will take whatever deranged positions possible. Um, um, yeah, they have absolutely no scruples whatsoever. No um, scruples. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we got that because I, I didn't hear any of the, the John Kerry stuff, and I didn't know that. That's just it's more insanity. I, I feel like I use that word too often on this broadcast in general. It's just I feel like I, I hit a mental or it just like I keep getting directed towards it. Um, all right, so let's see what else we got here. Uh, it's it's kind of more of the same. Let's see. Yep. So miscalculations on the battlefield. Uh, as far as that goes, this isn't climate related, but I don't really uh, know how much I trust the media on either side about, you know, who's winning and all that. But uh, here, here is an interesting part. So he attacked Europe's energy system just as an array of cheap and reliable alternatives became realistic. Uh, interesting. That's not only solar and wind, which now generate power at a fraction of the cost of gas products that even five years ago had barely entered the market such as heat pumps are now mature. Uh, Linnea, I know you you do a lot of work on actually like looking at the cost of various energy sources. Is this a, oh, I didn't realize I didn't have the article up still. I'll pull it up. But is this a factual statement? Um, here's the section I was pulling from that, that these are a fraction of the cost. No, no. And it's insane to make it. And, but it is something that they commonly say. This is something that they, they go with over and over and over again. But as soon as you dig into the data that they're referencing, if they were referencing right, yeah. data here, which they're not, again, um, you will see that uh, most of the time when they are predicting the prices, they're not actually pricing it out based on what it actually is costing right now. What they do is they look at the, um, the installed capacity and the nameplate capacity of something like a wind turbine or the solar panels. And they do all their calculations based on the idea that it has an idealized the what was it in Germany a couple of uh, weeks ago was getting I want to say eight percent operational generation from their wind and solar really um, and they do all their calculations based on the idea that it makes forty percent well it almost never makes forty percent huh. so there it's yeah, it's, it's a most of the time, that's where they're getting these claims from. And that's even our own energy administration or energy information administration, that is how those organizations do those calculations as well. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Anthony, we have a request for you to invent a prize and award it. Uh, not uh, That's actually really interesting, Linnea, because I didn't know exactly how they created those uh, claims. I thought it was usually, and I, I know they do do this, but uh, just incorporating the subsidies and acting as if that's a, you know, like a, a, just a free market form of-, of They do that yeah. that as well. Yeah, it's just a bunch of ways to manipulate- Yeah, that as well. And the, the Energy Information Administration will give you sometimes, depending on the document you find, and you might have to dig pretty hard to look for it, but they will often give you a subsidy and a subsidy free value. Okay. Or they might call it an investment, um, you know, something like that. Uh, and oftentimes, even those are still using those incorrect uh, generation factors. Um, it's, you need to be really suspicious about any um, price per uh, megawatt hour that you're shown for these things, unless it's being yeah. currently generated. What you end up seeing is that it's a lot more expensive than gas. And I yeah. think that just logically, everyone knows that that's the case, but they'll recite this stuff anyway um, with absolutely nothing to back it up. Yeah, that's a, the theme of the whole green and climate movement. You know, when you dig into the data, I mean, you just literally have to scratch the surface most times looking at data. You find that the claims don't hold up when you examine the data. Uh, they just are working with platitudes and statements and belief systems as opposed to real world data. And that's the problem with the green and climate movement. They just don't do the math. Yeah. I fully agree with that. I have nothing to add. Uh, also, Anthony, we have a request for you to invent a prize and award at our climate conferences. I think every um, year you're going to have to give the award to CO2. But Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe every year we should come up with a climate bonehead prize. That know? would be fun. That yeah. would actually be a for lot For the of most fun. boneheaded idea or policy, you know, out there. And, I, you know, yeah. this would... this. Kind of seems like this would be a, a, a femur painted green, and we. You know. Oh man, I like it. <laughs> I, I, I like know. this it's, idea. I'm not gonna lie; it's pretty funny. It's a climate bonehead prize. I like that. Yeah, I see Jason Button. He says, "I love it." Yeah, thank you, Jason. I do too. It's not bad. You know, there's <laughs> there's organizations out there that that um, award prizes for the most idiotic government waste. I think, yeah, yeah. As, as Heartland being the major player, yeah. And, in the whole climate movement, we should come up with a prize I, and I award of, it to the most boneheaded climate idea or process or person or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of actually think we, yeah, we should. And some Catherine Burke wrote, it reminds me of the Darwin Award. That was exactly what I was thinking this entire time, too. I don't know. Uh, just Well, it is an anti-human, you know, the Darwin Award. Yeah. <laughs> all about people that basically off themselves and remove themselves from the gene pool. Malthus so, Award. The uh, What award? What award, Linnea? Sorry. The Malthus Award. I don't know that one. Similar? Malthus. Uh, Malthusian. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, bonehead cheers. All right. Yeah. So let's see. Um, oh, wait. Let me pull up the article. I just go to it in my end. I got to be sure I pulled up for everyone. So um, the green acceleration doesn't mean Europeans will avoid a succession of brutally cold and expensive winners. This crisis also means that governments across the block have been preoccupied with short-term measures to stave off blackouts rather than doing their utmost to aid the longer-term energy shift. So that's another interesting part. Um, Anthony, why why do you think they're having these short-term blackouts? And why why are they considered... How are, Is the solution to short-term blackouts continuing to do what's giving you... I'm kind of answering the question. I'll just stop. <laughs> well, it, you know... Um... 
We'll go back to the very beginning of this program where Sterling Burnett in the introduction is talking about seven straight days without wind in Germany. Well, there you go. You know, if you base your entire power grid structure on green energy and the wind stops or the sun doesn't shine because it's, you know, cloudier than normal and you don't get a lot of solar, what the bottom's going to fall out of your energy grid. And what do you do? Well, the only thing you can do is start running rotating blackouts, rolling blackouts. They've done this in California when they can't supply enough power during heat waves and the wind stops, you know, because they don't have enough backup capacity. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's all of a sudden Newsom's, Newsom's feeble little light bulb finally went on over there. And he says, you know, maybe we shouldn't close the last nuclear plant in California because, you know, it's providing a whole boatload of electricity, like 10% for the whole state, 10% yeah. of the whole state. Maybe we shouldn't close that. Gosh, what a concept. And it's because they're realizing that green energy just isn't reliable. You can't base a stable electric grid on green energy without a backup. And if you don't have the backup, blackouts are what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And they, they write this as if like, you know, oh, yeah, jump in, Linnea. I'm so sorry. I'm like four or five seconds behind, so I'm sorry if I cut you off. No, it's totally fine. I yeah, try I, to only yeah. speak when there's a pause. But it's no, no, off. no. Jump in. Seriously. Cut <laughs> um, <off>. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, gosh, what were we saying just a second ago? I totally got um, sidetracked thinking about how off I was. Um, <laughs> the Well, one, Catherine Burke made a good comment saying yeah, that European governments yeah. are limiting collection of fire of wood. Um, I have seen some of that. I've seen some reports from uh, a woman in, I, I want to say it's Austria, but I'm not totally sure, who says that her government is fining people if they go into the national parks and pick up like branches and stuff off the ground, um, which is really disturbing. Um, it might be Austria. I might be getting it mixed up with a different country. Yeah. That stuff is just crazy crazy though and and this is coming for everyone uh, um they'll they'll do whatever they need to to energy ration they're worried about people um taking from the public lands and stuff more so than they are about their people suffering under energy diktats um it's not good <laughs> yeah, um no. I did have something else to wood, say but a wood truck totally truck if a woodchuck so. was green <laughs> none <laughs> That's, That's pretty good. What were you saying, Lynette? I said, how much wood oh, would yeah. a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck was green? And the answer is none. <laughs> it wouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> it's, uh, you're right, Linnea. It's just it's it's asinine what they're doing. They're they're basically forcing people to live without energy. We, yeah. Well, we're gonna have blackouts. Sorry. Oh no, you can't go pick up wood. Sorry. You know. So what's gonna happen? Are, are people gonna revolt? Stop paying their power bill? I don't know. It seems like the only thing that you can do is just simply say no to green energy and just do whatever kind of passive resistance you can against it. I mean, it's just not working, and yet they don't want to admit it. Linnea, you were going to say something? John Doe says that he hasn't heard of that in Austria. Um, I, Like I said, I'm not totally sure. I don't exactly remember where that woman was from, um, but... If I can find her video, I'll try to post it somewhere to my Twitter or something so that people can see it. Ooh, plug. What's your Twitter? I have it on my name on the. Okay, there we go. Apparently on the thing, if you show aware. the names. 
I, uh, yeah, apparently they're not shown. <laughs> Touche. I don't have a Twitter. I don't want people to read my impulsive thoughts. It will get me in trouble. Um, but, uh, oh, wait, I had something. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of these blackouts, I feel like this has been an issue. We've been sounding the alarm on, I mean, maybe not this show because we're relatively new, but uh, us three in different capacities for a while, that these policies are going to lead towards rolling blackouts, they're going to lead towards energy shortages, and there will be consequences for this. Um, a great example being the Texas freeze uh, that happened a couple of years ago. But I feel like in the last six months, even, uh, it's been magnified. We've we've started to see to a greater degree the effects of these policies. And it's happening during the warmer time. Like it's happening during the summer, at least in this hemisphere uh, and in Europe and that kind of thing. Summer's ending. Uh, I was wearing a jacket until 10 seconds before we went live because it's freezing in this room in Chicago right now. Uh so now instead of be people being told like, oh, you can only turn your AC down to 78 degrees or something. It's like you can only heat your home to 62 or something like like we're, we're nearing the side of this where instead of uh, and it's not just discomfort people are being with uh, dealing with. But but the the actual like ramifications of these policies are more are magnified during winter. And I, it's just like for whatever people have had to deal with now, it's, it's going to get worse. It's not like this is going to get better in, in any way in the near term until uh, I would say there's a, a, a systemic shift in not, well, both public opinion to a degree, but actual, like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say like our leaders and like, I don't know. It's a systemic shift in sensibility. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's the best way to put it. And uh, I don't think that's, that's happened at all. Doug Peacher tells me to shut the F up. Um, no, moving on. Uh, you know, so we, we can keep going through this, but I, I think we've kind of gotten our point across here. And I wanted to go to an op-ed that uh, Linnea wrote this week. But uh, yeah, so just Politico, uh, it's, uh, to, to say since that they, they're, they're not, not sensitive, uh, to say that they're lacking sensibility is to show that they just gave Putin the number one, you know, overall green influencer award for the European Union. It's just it. It's the um, the disconnect that you need from actual reality. Well, it's kind of like when Time made Hitler Man of the Year prior to World War II. They did. You're right. And then they made Greta Man of the Year. No connection. Oh, Person of the Year. That I didn't mean to yeah. say. That. Just no connection. I just wanted to do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a fair point. Um, Politico Time, great stuff. All right, so moving forwards here, um, Linnea, I know that, so you put this op-ed out this week. Um, I'll just put it up on screen if you kind of want to give the uh, the viewers kind of a brief rundown of what, what's going on here. But Biden energy policies cost $100 billion a year, reports just the news. Uh, damn, <laughs> that, that's a lot. So uh, where, where, how, how did this, this number get like created and where, what's going on with this whole thing? Um, Great. So basically what this study what this study found was that if you compare the current uh, economic conditions so if you look at the price of oil right now for example you would expect quite a bit more production than we're having he Joe Biden when he goes on TV and says that we've got you know we've got a spike in oil production it's great everything's going well actually you guys um, he's comparing this to times when we didn't have oil hovering at $90 a barrel. Mm -hmm. He's so what you would expect now is because there's so much of this cash floating around that these companies would be able to invest in more projects, would be able to drill more wells, um, 
improve more production um, technology and everything, but that's just not happening. We're down another well, or we're down another rig on the rig count just the other day. Um, our production is actually quite low for the current economic conditions that we have. And so what's been found is that when you take that into account, we've actually been losing something like $100 billion a year um, in the last year in the American economy due to our energy prices and the lack of investment that's going on in that sector. So it's been quite a bit of a disaster, actually. Um, we're not drilling as many new wells as we should be. The um, really toxic investment atmosphere that's been going on with ESG and some of the other social pushes um, have really put a chill on a lot of um, projects moving forward. And our, our administration just kind of ignores that and pretends like that's not happening while yeah. they encourage it in the background. So, and, and it's, it's really obnoxious. So OPEC um, basically laughed in Biden's face and decided to make sure that his uh, withdrawals from the reserve make absolutely no impact whatsoever. He said, I'm going to continue. I'm going to withdraw another million barrels over the next six months. And OPEC says, okay, well, we're going to stop producing by two barrels, two million barrels over yeah. the next six months. Well, <laughs> cool. So you just canceled out what Biden was doing. Um, but when this study looked at it and saw that under Trump, we would have been producing between two and three million more barrels a day. And it's... Basically, what the Biden administration has done is put us in a position where we are utterly dependent on these foreign countries, especially the OPEC Plus and the um, newly popping up BRICS organization or the newly becoming relevant BRICS organization, um, which yep. is uh, China, Russia, Brazil, um, and several other countries that are less friendly. Mm -hmm. Um Basically, sorry, I just glanced at a comment. Remind our ability to have any kind of control over this uh, oil trade economy. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's actually a decent threat from these countries of breaking off from the regular trade pattern altogether and really? doing their own thing, which would be. Uh, a bit of a nightmare for the for the West financial yeah, system. I, yeah, I don't. I, I I can hear Court uh, having some fun in the background. I, I, it's kind of fun on my end. It makes me smile. I know it's probably not as fun on your end. Uh, honestly, if if you have, I I love speculation and and predictions of that sort. If if you want to go into any detail on that or or have any, okay, now. Just one second. I'm going to close my door and lock her out of my <laughs> yeah, all room. Good. Um. Uh, yeah. All right. I see what you're saying here. Um, yeah. Uh, we will in one moment, Anthony. Um, let's see. Uh, I didn't write this. All right, cool. Sorry. You good? Anyway. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. No um, well, basically, so BRICS is actually some analysts and I actually don't like to speculate and to make any predictions because, uh, a lot of the times the oil industry is basically impossible to make predictions on. Um, if you 
and I think I said this last week, but if you look at any websites like oilprice.com or RigZone or something, the narrative in the headlines flips by 180 degrees every single day. (laughs) So uh, I posted to one of our Heartland chats the other day a really funny article. I mean, it's funny in a sad way article that I found on oilprice.com recently. Uh, It was from 2017 or 2018. And it said that the headline was, this is the last time we'll see oil go as high as $40 a barrel. <laughs> oh, man. And pain. <laughs> right. It's, uh, it's really, <laughs> so I don't like to speculate too much, but um, a lot of rumor has been going around saying that BRICS actually, if they get Saudi Arabia on their team, um, poses a threat to the petrodollar system so we trade oil in dollars american dollars around the world um and that is what a lot of our currency is um resting on top of or the value of our currency and it's also um what a lot of the west's financial and all the g7 countries basically their financial structure is built on that oil-based dollar um but people have been predicting the end of the petrodollar for literally since it started. So, yeah. um, like I said, I don't like to make predictions about it. But if BRICS decides to start trading in um, Chinese currency or yeah. in Russian currency, then it's the just rupee. a de facto move away from that system. It, uh, India's currency. That's Is that the rupee? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've, I've read about that, too. Yeah, I, honestly, I feel I like so. to get into the petrodollar, we would have to dedicate a whole hour. And honestly, I... To, to get into that, I would want to make sure I've, I've done ample research beforehand, just because I think that's A, such a complex uh, s- system, B, such an influential system that so few people know about, and uh, C, you're right, it's always being predicted it's going to end, but right now is a particularly interesting time in that regard. Um, also, you know, funny, not funny, uh, Iraq, prior to us invading them, were saying that they were going to pull off the petrodollar. I wonder if that had anything to do with the weapons of mass destruction they had. But all right, we're uh, I'm getting off topic here. We should discuss that in the future in some greater capacity. Uh, do either of you have any any last comments you want to make on um, uh, the increased cost of Biden policies or Politico's uh, <laughs> position of Putin is number one on green? Well, leaders? the only thing I can think of uh, is we need to all reflect on what Ronald Reagan said back during um, the campaign of 1980. Are you better off now than you were two or four years ago? And I think most everyone who's not, you know, caught up in the green revolution, thinking it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, would answer wholeheartedly, no, we're not better off. We're not better off on all fronts, you know, or energy, on the environment, on the cost of goods, on life, anything. Because these policies are basically not just destroying America, they're destroying the whole world. And they just don't see it because they're blinded by their own agenda. Yeah. Lynette, anything to add to that? Nope. All right. Uh, yeah, no, honestly, I feel like that's something that, that people have said my entire life. I'm 29 now. And for maybe 25 of those 29 years, or at least the conscious ones, not counting the old, they, they're young age, uh, I always was better off. And things always seemed like they were getting better. Uh, I no longer think that's the case. I think it's a culmination of, A, uh, just bad policies finally uh, culminating and um, causing the situation we're in, and B, uh, honestly, the growth of social media. And it's 
in the end, I think it has just such negative psychological effects on people. If it was all given to us for free, all those services, that meant one thing and one thing only. And uh, we were the product. Facebook was never the product. Our debt was the product. Not going to get into it because this is climate change roundtable and not Andy's ranting about his dislike, his distrust and displeasure with social media. Uh, thank you all for joining. Uh, we appreciate it every week. We're live every Friday. I will say that next Friday uh, we're doing our annual benefit dinner. Um, I think, are we streaming? I'm not sure. But we're having, if you are in the Chicagoland area, we're having Yeonmi Park. She's a uh, North Korean uh, defector, which sounds like a negative thing, but it, it's freaking awesome. Uh, she literally like escaped uh, Kim Jong-un's reign and uh, fled across into like China. And then I believe Mon I mean, I, I don't want to tell her story. It's insane. So if you are in the area, uh, check it out. Like we're, this is next week. Uh, I highly urge you to come. I'm genuinely extremely excited for that. <laughs>